This is Ozarks at Large for the final Friday of April, April 29th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me on the phone from Fort Smith is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, thanks for your time this week. Gosh, final Friday. We're, we're zipping through this year, aren't we? We are. And uh, something I haven't told you yet, but after next week, I'm taking four weeks off. I'm, I'm going to go spend my 25th wedding anniversary with my wife out west. So you'll be talking with Michael Tilley for, or you'll be talking with Matthew Moore for a few weeks. Oh, I, I talked to Michael Tilley quite a bit, so that wouldn't be a, <laughs> wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to talk to Michael Tilley, and I'm going to start off with right. a request for um, a pay raise for Fort Smith Police that is a significant request. It is a significant request. 20, and it, I remember setting, I attended this this week, um, Tuesday night, and Police Chief Danny Baker just uh, was making a presentation about um, what the department needed, and he threw out a 23.87% increase across the board for all officers. They have a, they have, uh, they're authorized to have 164 sworn officers. And to back up a little bit, this is, uh, Kyle, this is part of presentation. You know, the city is asking voters to approve uh, extension of, a, of two sales taxes, both uh, add up to 1%. Um, 75% of the 1% would go toward um, uh, city uh, work on the um, consent decree, fixing the sewer system, and uh, some of that would also go to the police department. That's almost 17% of that would go to the police department. 25% of that would go to the city's fire department and the parks and recreation department. So Voters will have a chance to vote on that. Uh, May 24th will be held in conjunction with the state's primary election. So Police Chief Baker and some other department heads were talking to the board about what they proposed to do. The city would receive – the excuse me, the police department would receive about $3 million a year. That's the estimate uh, from their portion of the tax proceeds. And Police Chief Baker wants to put almost all of that, $2.3 million, toward this pay raise. And he also wants to begin adding five officers a year beginning in 2028 for five years until they get the sworn officer level up to 189. Um, his argument is kind of twofold. One, they have to be uh, competitive uh, right now. And that pay raise, Kyle, would just get them up to 50000 around 50000 a year. But he says they have to be competitive. Uh, they're losing officers to other cities that are even smaller than Fort Smith. And I think you'll remember, you guys probably reported on it, the Arkansas legislature just approved a pretty uh, large pay raise for state troopers that takes their base pay um, for annual starting troopers up to 54000 Um Over in Jonesboro, they're raising their base pay up to around 42000 for, for officers. So you're seeing this across the country because of the tight labor market. Police officers can leave law enforcement and go get another job at higher pay and much less personal risk. Um, And and the second thing, the second reason he cited is that just that officers are still asked to do a lot uh, in Fort Smith other than law enforcement. You know, they're asked to deal with homeless, asked to deal with folks with mental health issues. They often are the first person to intervene in domestic abuse cases, domestic abuse cases. So, um, that was his that was his push um, for for that pay. Well, I reading the coverage of talk business and politics, it seems like there is some support. There is some understanding. Will this become reality? Uh, I think it I would be very surprised if it doesn't. I mean, of course, the first hurdle is you have to get past the voters. And um, I the voters in Fort Smith, even as very politically conservative as they are, have a track record of approving often in an over in an overwhelming margin these sales taxes if they are clearly shown that it goes directly to something like this they fix roads they fix sewer system um, they go to police and fire um, if you're just going to throw them into a city's general fund and really there's no immediate purpose they usually get shot down but this has an immediate purpose and yes Every city director that commented, which was almost all of them, um, 
praise Baker for bold action. In fact, uh, Director George Katsavis said, you know, typically chiefs have come before and just asked for a 2 to 3% raise. And Katsavis said he was very impressed that um, Baker came, for him, came to him and said, look, we just, we got to quit with this 2 to 3%. We got to get it up to where it needs to be and we got to do it now. So, um, so that, that's what the take was on that. All right. This may be an odd question, but do you think it will hurt or help or matter at all for the passage on May 24th that sales tax revenues in Fort Smith went up almost 20% year to year in the month of March? Well, I don't, I I can't imagine that would hurt because again, these are, um, the cities, uh, the 1% city tax goes directly to uh, maintenance construction on streets, bridges, new construction. So again, that's one of those direct uh, impacts. You can see it. You can drive around the city of Fort Smith and see, you know, the work going on. You can, um, and you get a report um, if you want to, if you're an interested citizen, you can get a report frequently about where the work has taken place. Um, but no, I don't see it hurting, but yeah, it's the sales tax revenue and it's not just Fort Smith. I mean, we're seeing it. I think we saw uh double digit. We've been seeing double digit in uh, communities like Jonesboro communities, in Northwest Arkansas, but yeah, Fort Smith in their March report um, revenue was um, the city share of the Sebastian County tax was up almost 20%. Um, and that just, that's, um, um, for the first quarter, that revenue is up almost 50, is over 15%. So consumers are still spending a large chunk of that. Or I don't know if I should say a large chunk of it, but uh, a not insignificant chunk of that is probably inflation um, is, is factored into that. We're seeing uh, economists talk about the impact of that on sales tax revenue, consumer spending, that type of thing. Um, so it's going well. Uh, now for the city of Fort Smith, but the consumer spending, we are watching that. If the inflation continues and if the Fed continues on a plan that it says it's going to by raising interest rates, which will cut into what consumers can spend also because it'll raise rates on their credit cards, and mortgages, and that kind of thing. Um, the second half of the year will be interesting to see if these local sales tax revenue continue to generate double-digit gains. Finally, there was a debate uh, among Republican candidates for a state legislative seat this past week. During that debate, there was a question about how has immigration affected Arkansas. And one of the two candidates answering gave an answer that, um, well, you clar- you followed up on, on at talkbusiness.net. Yeah, it was, um, it was an unfortunate answer. I'll just try to be as nice as possible. But the debate was between uh, Representative Justin Boyd and uh, Fort Smith Attorney Kelly Proctor-Pierce. They're both uh, running for this, uh, what is an open seat, Arkansas Senate District 27, which covers uh, Fort Smith and parts of Chaffee Crossing to the east of Fort Smith. Um, But yeah, you're out there asking about immigration. And essentially, Pierce, she said that um, it was a very... uh, I think denigrating comment about Hispanics, but essentially said um, they, I'll just quote part of it. They have mental health issues. They have drug addictions. They have family problems. They have broken families. Babies are born out of wedlock. Those issues all have to be addressed. Uh, and those, she said, those all do spill over into education. Well, we, got, I didn't, we, we didn't get a lot of feedback, but we got feedback from it saying, well, look, those are all issues of all, you know, races, all ethnicities, you know, she, I can't, you know, can't believe she's picking out Hispanics in this. And so the, um, we got a statement from the director of the league of United Latin American citizens, Lulac, and uh, essentially said, shame on her. Um, and said that, uh, and he, he said that she should do well to educate herself. And he said, they'd be happy to provide her information and statistics about how the Hispanic community contributes to not only the local economy in the Fort Smith area, but to the state and national economy. So just an unfortunate slip, Kyle, it's part of this nationalization of politics we're seeing creep into the local level. It's unfortunate, and I hope it, I'm not optimistic that it will end, but I sure hope it does. 
All right. Michael Tilley is with Talk Business Politics. You can read more about all of this and so much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael, I'll talk to you again next Friday. Uh, Yes, sir. Thank you. Arkansas Cinema Society's Film Development Conference is Friday and Saturday, April 29th and 30th in Bentonville. This event features film screenings, happy hours, plus discussions and workshops on pre-production practices from ACS co-founder Jeff Nichols, producer Sarah Green, and others. Scholarships and student tickets available. ArkansasCinemaSociety.org for tickets. The 2021 NWA Blues Challenge winners will be in concert Saturday, April 30th at Meteor Guitar Gallery in downtown Bentonville. This fundraiser features the Jeff Horton Band, Sky Pollard, the Downtown Live Wires, plus a silent auction and raffle. Sponsored tables and advanced tickets available at OzarkBluesSociety.org. This is Ozarks at Large. It hasn't been that long, about two months, since we learned about the proposed market center of the Ozarks to be built in downtown Springdale to serve as a regional food hub for farmers and consumers. This week, Northwest Arkansas Food Systems had another announcement. Three new programs aimed at helping the people here who grow our food and those of us who eat that food. Yesterday, we called Karen Endy, an advisor to the Walton Family Foundation's Northwest Arkansas Food Systems Initiative, to ask about the new projects, including one called the Arkansas Grown Grant for Northwest Arkansas Farmers. We're providing a grant to the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, and they are going to be implementing this. It's actually live and up on their website already. Um, Farmers in Benton, Washington, Carroll, and Madison counties who grow fruits or vegetables are eligible to apply. The grants are for up to $15,000 per farm, and it's really broad. Um, Anything that can be used to improve their access to wholesale markets. So if you need, you know, new equipment for irrigation, a specific piece of equipment to enhance your food safety, um, attachments for a you know, your walk-behind tractor, anything that you need to help make your farm wholesale ready, wash, pack, grade, irrigation, the the funds can be used for any of those things. One of the new programs really gets down to basics. It's about soil health, and it's the Northwest Arkansas Specialty Crop Soil Health Program. I'm guessing this is designed to help you know what's your soil, but also to help keep your soil on your farm healthy? Yeah, soil health is where it it all starts and I guess where it really all ends, right? You want to make sure that you your soil can continue to grow food year after year. This program provides both uh, quantitative and qualitative measurements of what farms are doing and then provides one-on-one technical assistance. And there's also going to be some classes that are part of this to help educate growers on specific practices that improve their soil health. Um, and the goal is really to help the individual farmers improve their soil health, to be able to be more profitable and more productive on their farms, but also to do this as a comprehensive program will give us both a baseline measurement of what soil health for Northwest Arkansas farmers look like, and then at the end of the program, we'll take comprehensive samples again and see if we've been able to improve soil health through these particular practices. Do you know, is this something that can be micro and macro? So you're getting the soil health of perhaps one uh, independent uh, farm, but but over time with more results, you kind of get a tapestry of what the four counties soil looks like? That's exactly right. The the goal is to understand what is soil health now and, and to be able to pull soil samples from a number of farms during the same time of year And then to be able to provide them with advice and monitor what their soil practices have been and then see if there's a change. Not only will we understand what soil health looks like now, but we'll also be able at the end of this program to say, you know, these farmers that did these three specific practices had the greatest increase in their soil nutrients and are then more profitable or more productive or year over year are able to demonstrate success on their farms. So yeah, both micro, each individual farmer will get that feedback, but we'll have a better picture of the region at the end of this. The Arkansas Grown Grant for Northwestern Arkansas Farmers, intended for farmers, obviously, the soil health uh, project to help farmers. But there's another new program. This is about uh, people on the other end 
uh, people who receive food. This is the Healthy Food Access. This is a grant to Community Clinic, and it's going to expand what is a pilot SNAP program, correct? Yeah, so last year, Community Clinic partnered with the Food Conservancy, which is our nonprofit food hub. They help small farmers get their produce to market. Um, they launched a single site where the Food Conservancy was selling bags of local produce to community clinic patients. And the Food Conservancy accepts SNAP benefits, and they also participate in double your dollars and double up food bucks. So essentially, you could get a bag of produce that was worth $10, and it, if you're paying for it with your EBT card, get it for 5 And the program was very successful at the single site, and Community Clinic is now opening that up to eight different sites in partnership with the Food Conservancy. I think one thing about the grant to Community Clinic is that we're trying to make sure that everybody has access. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion when I talk about access to wholesale markets instead of being focused on farmers' markets. And so one of the ways we're getting um, making sure there's healthy food access for everybody is through that program with Community Clinic. But the other way is this focus on wholesale, where you think of where people normally eat, shop, work, and play. It's in institutional food services and cafeterias. It's in restaurants. It's in supermarkets. And if we're not getting our locally grown food into those outlets, we're not making sure that everybody has access. Perfect. So it, it's not a commercial focus. It's it's an everybody focus. And and what sort of metrics will we have, will you be using as you move through with these small farm grants and the Soil Health Project? So overall, our goals for this work are to make sure that more residents have access to locally grown, fresh, healthy, and I'd say delicious food. And so our overall metrics look at the amount of food that's being grown in the region and be, is being consumed in the region. So we're looking at acres in production, sales through the Food Conservancy, um, all of those ways that we're tracking how much food is being grown and sold in the region. Karen Endy is an advisor to the Walton Family Foundation's Northwest Arkansas Food Systems Initiative. We talked with her yesterday. The Arkansas Grown Grant for Northwest Arkansas Farmers information can be found at arkansasgrown.org. Details about Northwest Arkansas Food Systems can be found by following links to waltonfamilyfoundation.org. I'm Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And And we are Resilient Resilient Black Black Women. Then all that tension that I might have been feeling, just you sitting here and listening to me and responding, I might, my body will start to just feel less heavy, less anxious, and just feel better. On the next episode of Resilient Black Women, Joy and Denisha explore grief, how it affects the body, how it particularly affects African Americans and communities of color, and what you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed by it. That's on the next episode of Resilient Black Women, available at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. Last Friday, we heard just a bit from Esteban Cabeza de Baca about his painting and sculptures currently on exhibit at the Momentary in Bentonville. This week, more from that conversation with Esteban and Caitlin Garcia-Maestas, Associate Curator at The Momentary. This conversation took place before the exhibit opened. The exhibit, in the gallery through part of fall, includes site-specific works. I feel like it's all about site specificity with the way that I make my work from landscape painting point of view towards the sculpture that I uh, make. And it was, it's been great to be invited by Caitlin uh, to do this project, uh, and do a real walkthrough of the space and know the history of the land um, before 1492 and to thinking about the indigenous tribes that uh, called Arkansas home before. And um, me, where I have a mixed heritage, I've, I'm always thinking about that uh, history of the land. So walking around and looking at, you know, black-eyed Susans to different um, pollinator species and uh, medicinal species of plants, it awoke in me uh, a craving to make an interactive sculpture project that I had been thinking about for many years. Um, And getting to do that um, was 
specifically at, at Crystal Bridges Momentary Space, something that I got really excited about doing and to really experiment with that um, in conversation with painting. So I'm just really happy with the product. And um, I think for me, it's really like listening, going to the space and not just air dropping in or phoning it in, but like really listening to the environment and talking to the people there is really important when I view too. Caitlin, let me bring you in because this kind of touches on something you and I talked about last week where what what art can do, what what curation of art can do is is open people to something that they didn't expect they were going to see or think about when they walk in the gallery. And I think Esteban's work is is a great example of that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing we're really excited about is this is really the first show that we've been able to sort of challenge the static experience that you would have walking into a gallery setting. Um, you know, and and so in challenging that, that static experience, I think it also opens up opportunities for different forms of engagement. Um, there's a community table in the center of the gallery that folks can sit down, have a conversation. There'll also be some ceramic workshops that will happen in that space. So, you know, I think as you, when you think about space and you think about how visitors encounter it, we start to have a new understanding of how we can relate and connect to art. I think, you know, through these more traditional experiences, you would just go, you look, you stay for a certain amount of time and you leave. And this exhibition really invites people to have more thoughtful, engaging experience and hopefully can come back over time. Um, there's a bank in the gallery where visitors will be able to take home packets of seeds, plant them in their garden, take photos, share them on social media. So again, just really thinking of all these different opportunities of how we can get visitors to come back, return, see the installation, maybe it in a different perspective at a different time. Um, one of the things that are really exciting about it is that it's open spring, summer, and in early fall. Um, so you really will get to exhibition through three seasons. Esteban, I want to ask you, and I, I have not seen any of your work, you know, in person, face-to-face. -face. I've only seen it online so far, and I'm not quite sure which pieces are included at the momentary, but I want to ask you about one that I find riveting and forgive me I'm not a, a Spanish speaker so but La, La Mata de Familia mm -hmm. I yeah. think this is a striking piece of work that allows the viewer to have all kinds of conversations whether they're the conversations the artist intends or not I don't know and I wonder how that makes you feel when you've got something that has so much passion so much technique in it and then I look at it and I come away with my own narrative. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I love that question because um, I, it's really fun to, to see what people from all different backgrounds come in to see my work. And that's actually really nice. I, I like to think about because like my parents are not artists at all. I don't really have any artists in my family at all. Um, and to see, you know, from somebody that's walking in without any formal art education, the people that are really well read in art history, I think breaking down those borders between disciplines and, and groups um, is really important. Uh, one of the strongest things that I want my work to do, because um, I, I feel like people have, everybody's an artist at, uh, from birth, you know, and it's, whether society nurtures that or or trims that off and hones in people's creativities in different ways, it, it's like people still know how to see. And what I hope and what I'm really happy about this uh, collaboration with Caitlin and Clay Baker is that how do you get people to slow down and and see? And what's really fascinating is seeing you know the the janitor staff walking through and walking out of my show really impressed, and I feel like. You know, coming from a really working class background like I do, if I can, you know, get people and share share it with people that and they enjoy it as much as like, you know, a more uh, academic art background or professionalized, then I, I've done my job. And, and I'm really excited to, to exhibit the work. So, yeah, when I look at that work, the first thing I thought I saw, whether it's there or not, the first thing I thought I saw was at the top razor wire. And that made me start to think deeper. And I like that you say when people stare at a work, because I kind of stared at this for a while. 
Yeah, I, I really, you know, want to reward people's curiosity. The longer that they stay with it, the more they see and uncover. And I think now, especially because we're on our smartphones and, and we're just so automated right now, our, our visuality has gotten faster. But I actually think we need to slow down and to really think about the responsibility of images that we put out there and and you know whether it's like certain iconographic symbols of of um of separation that that occurs uh sometimes in my work or temporal uh moments of of um like quantum or like strings that are kind of like displacing or connecting different histories i think what's important is like letting people's different interpretations of the work come in and, and sharing that with people has been really, really fun and, and interesting. Caitlin, how, how did this collaboration come about? How, how does something like this eventually happen? Um, well, typically it starts with a studio visit between a curator and artist, um, hopefully in person. But in this case, Esteban and I actually met in the pandemic, virtually on Zoom, I just sent him an email and said I wanted to talk to him about his work. And we immediately connected. We both share a background coming from the southwestern part of the United States. Um, I grew up in New Mexico. Esteban grew up in Colorado, but also has familial ties to New Mexico. And I think it was a really special collaboration and conversation because these landscapes are very personal to both of us. And often, in, at least for me as a curator in my professional practice, I don't work with artists that share such a similar background to me. Um, and, you know, I think we are always trying to navigate that relationship between personal and professional. And, and this show really resonates very deeply with me. Caitlin Garcia-Maestas is associate curator at The Momentary. Esteban Cabeza de Baca is a visual artist whose work can be seen at The Momentary in Bentonville, through September 25th. He talked with us from his house in Queens, New York. This is Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Arkansas PBS will live stream the celebration of Dolly Parton's Imagination Library in Arkansas Thursday, May 5th at 6.30 p.m., including a musical performance by Parton and a live interview with THV11's Craig O'Neill. Viewing information is available at myarpbs.org slash imagination library event. April is almost out the door. And with it, the month set aside specifically for appreciating poetry. Before we enter May, Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth wanted to share a bit of his recent conversation with J. Bailey Hutchinson, a poet, about the value of poetry. The way that poetry allows you to make statements by way of feeling. I think young people struggle with poetry because mostly what they get in school is like centuries and centuries old. And I'm not knocking the bard, but I, I do think like a 13-year-old might have a little bit of trouble seeing how a Shakespearean sonnet is super relevant to their lives. Poetry in the modern age is getting even more accessible. Um, I think Ocean Vuong was on The Late Show like a couple years ago. Uh, his debut collection was sort of really like an on-ramp to poetry becoming this super recognized, really discussable subject. Um, I think reading work by queer authors and authors of color and international authors helps you realize that there are many, many more ways of reading and writing poetry than we are maybe taught in school. and reading out loud. I mean, again, I know that sounds so simple, but I, I find that there's a type of understanding that comes through when I'm slowing down and, and letting the words live in like an aural space. Poetry is a multimedia experience. Jay Bailey Hutchinson is associate editor of Milkweed Editions. Her debut collection, Gut, was awarded the 2022 Miller-Williams Poetry Prize it's out now from the University of Arkansas Press. You can tune in for the full conversation with Jay Bailey Hutchinson during next Wednesday's Ozarks at Large. But let's move ahead with this Friday edition of Ozarks with our friend Becca Martin-Brown, the Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, you're going to help us move from April to May, please. Oh, there's so much. I know. There's so much. 
the only metaphor, simile, where's Catherine when we need her, is trying to take a sip of water from a fire hose. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. If you're addicted to the same thing I am, this is a wonderful weekend. This is yards and yards of yard sales in Eureka Springs. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like going to yard sales in Eureka Springs. Well, that's a very good point. And they do it for two days, today and tomorrow. You can get a map if you stop by the chamber or on their chamber website. I have found some amazing things there, including a giant fish pillow that we rode the trolley with. And people looked at as funny, but that's neither here nor there. It's also citywide yard sale day in Bella Vista. And people in Bella Vista have lots of cool stuff. I bet. The Bella Vista Historical Museum is having yard sale vendors in their parking lot. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can go in and see the museum and buy jelly as a fundraiser for the museum. Now, if you're in Springdale and you missed this year's Fashion Week, you can stroll down Emma Avenue to where the famous hardware building is. And you can see a lot of the fashions from Fashion Week as this month's window display. And if you missed Fashion Week, you can go see all of this. And they have labels in English, Spanish, and Marshallese. And then you can keep strolling east in Springdale because there's a new boardwalk food court, food truck court that just opened at 3445 South Old Missouri Road. Oh, I saw that. I saw them putting that together the other night when I was driving by. They've got everything from barbecue to crepes to hibachi to Venezuelan and Honduran cuisine to Asian combo walk. And they have a guest vendor today until 10 called Poor Man's Pizza. Or, oh, there's always an or, today... You can go to Fort Smith and see Peter Pan presented by Western Arkansas Ballet. Right. 7 o'clock today, 2 o'clock tomorrow, Arc Best Performing Arts Center. Tickets start at $20. Saturday is Indie Bookstore Day at Chapters on Main in Van Buren. And they're having seminars on historical fiction at 10 a.m., on children's books at 11 a.m., and more in the afternoon. And all that's free. There's a special book club meet and greet at the Bentonville Public Library Saturday morning with Keith O'Brien, who is the author of Paradise Falls. Yeah, we talked to him this week, and it's, you know, I fell in love with his writing when he wrote Fly Girls, which was about Louise Thaden, Amelia Earhart, and the other mm-hmm. women pioneers of aviation. And this book is is just as good. Oh, and there's also, if you didn't spend enough money somewhere else, there's a maker's market from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock tomorrow at Mount Sequoia, and a 5th Street Maker's Market from 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock tomorrow at the Cash Artist Studios on 5th Street in Bentonville. I'm going to tell you, Becca, if they keep making local beer, if we keep opening independent bookstores, and we keep having local maker's markets, I am going to have to go to Poor Man's Pizza (laughs) because these things just take the money away from me. And on Sunday because you weren't tired or anything. There's a family fun day from one to four at Crystal Bridges celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And then you can scamper back to Fayetteville for the Sunday night social at five o'clock at Theater Squared, which this week is the Art of Drag with Taylor Madison Monroe. Wow, there is a lot to do. And next weekend is the Fort Smith version of Bikes and Songs called the Steel Horse Rally. Read what's up. Read it with a (laughs) fine-tooth comb and a magnifying glass, and maybe you'll find, oh, and Arkansas Public Theater has a show opening next Friday called The Revolutionists that is about four women during the French Revolution, one of whom is Marie Antoinette. Well, it sounds like a production to lose your head over. Ah, that was cheap. Never mind. <laughs> oh, I wish he hadn't done that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Anyway, that'll <laughs> hold you for a little while. 
Yes, Becca Martin-Brown, features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, get some rest. We'll talk again next week. <laughs> we'll try to do it all. Walton Arts Center presents the 2022 Artisphere, Arkansas's Arts and Nature Festival, May 4th through the 27th, welcoming artists from around the world with performances, activities, and events at locations across Northwest Arkansas, featuring the return of the Artisphere Festival Orchestra, Trail Mix, and more. Tickets and event lineup at artisphereFestival.org. Community Creative Center presents Arkansas Pottery Festival, May 6th through the 8th. This three-day exhibition and pottery sale will feature over 50 potters from around the state, an exhibition of masterworks from private ceramics collections, and more. An event schedule is available online at communitycreativecenter.org. The band Circle of Thirds hasn't been around that long, but they're developing a sound that's unique among jazz bands in Northwest Arkansas. The four-piece band frequently performs at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville, fusing keyboards, bass, drums, and guitar into a driving tapestry of the range of jazz, from slow, brooding melodies to upbeat pop. Three of the band's four members, Jacob Arnold, Valdemar Sigurdsson, and James Doughty, recently stopped by the Furman Garner Performance Studio to talk with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. We'll hear them perform in a moment, featuring the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway piano. But first, we hear them explain a little bit about the band's name. It's not really that deep, but I just took the concept of the circle of fifths, and instead of fifths, we have thirds. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we played an example of what a circle of thirds would be in one of the tunes we played. At the end of Un Poco Loco, that uh, add-on yes. that we oh, yeah. wrote. Yeah, it's a circle it, of it, minor thirds. Yeah, it's yeah. a circle of mm-hmm. minor thirds. So thirds, I mean, obviously in music there are majors and minors. What would you all classify you as, a circle of major thirds or a circle <laughs> of minor thirds? <laughs> There's well, a lot of, most of our music yeah. is, well, most of our originals are slow and sad, so I guess minor thirds. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're going to have a lot more uh, faster and happier songs, so... You know, a little bit of both. I like it. I like it. How did you all come together as a band? So initially, I had the idea. I had been seeing this this duo on the internet, Domi and J.D. Beck, and uh, I was really inspired by them. And I had this idea to try to convince Jacob, our drummer, to start a duo uh, in that kind of style. And... I also was playing jazz with another friend of mine, Jared Gwynn, who's in, who's in Drawing Blanks. And so eventually I just decided to merge these two projects together. And so at the time we were a, a trio. Yeah, and then since then we've had a couple of personnel changes, but Valley and I have stuck around. And now we are up to a quartet. Our guitar player is not here today, but we do have a guitar player, Jacob Campbell. Right, right. Who plays with several bands throughout the area. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. So y'all are a jazz band. This is something we were talking about a couple minutes ago. But where where do you find places to play jazz in northwest Arkansas? Like, like we were talking, there's no specific jazz club, but where do you find places to play? There's a few coffee houses that let people j- play jazz. We've been playing at a 612 Coffee House. And we've booked several shows at a place called Sassafras Winery. Also, some of the normal venues that any rock band would play at have booked us. Uh, We have an upcoming show at Nomad's Trailside. And we also have some at, like, restaurant venues. We have a show booked at Krabby's. But, yeah, as as far as venues go, it it is kind of difficult because there's no specific jazz venue. But part of what we're doing to get around that so we can play at more venues is we're working on developing a second set that is more rock-influenced. It still has jazz, but more of a jazz-rock fusion so that we can play on bills with rock bands. Yeah, yeah, which I guess that's where a guitarist comes in handy is oh, yeah. kind of filling out that rock-jazz sound. Yeah, I'll also, I'll also be playing guitar for some of those. Oh, okay. Yeah. So two guitars then.
James is our new bass player. Um, he was recommended to us by a friend, and so far we've really enjoyed playing with him. I've really enjoyed being here. I've been with the band for one week now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how does it feel to come into a band that's already, you know, even though it's still young, it's somewhat established? How, how does it feel to it's come a challenge. and add your part onto it's, it? It's definitely a challenge, and, and their music is complicated, so mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a lot tougher than a standard blues band, per mm-hmm. se, but it's a lot of fun. The music's good. I really like Valley's writing. It's a fun place. I, I, I enjoy it a lot. I'm assuming y'all all come from different musical backgrounds. I mean, you mentioned blues bands. You played in rock bands. Valley, I don't know about your pedigree. Okay, so I'm originally classically trained on, on piano, but I've been playing jazz for about two years now, and I've been in uh, several rock bands for several months now. How do all of those different backgrounds, like the rock and roll, the blues, the classical, how do they kind of meet in the middle at jazz? So one thing is, even though we all have you know slightly different backgrounds for what bands we've played in, we all have a classical background. We all went to college for music at some point. So the communication between us as musicians, you know, is, is kind of standardized because we all have that classical training. So that, that helps to bring it all together. have a show in on May 7th and that's going to be at Nomad's Trailside and the reason I bring that one up is a bit of shameless promotion self promotion <laughs> another one of my bands is opening so which band is opening that uh, show Moldy Lux okay actually um Another one of my bands is also opening. Formals. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> we'll all be playing double sets that yeah. night. How how are you going to have energy keeping that keeping those double sets going? I know? don't know about Valley. I have the advantage of Moldylox is playing first, and then Circle Thirds is playing last, so I get a break. But Valley doesn't get a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Where can people find out more about your music? Do you have anything online or? Yeah, we have. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, and we also have a website. Yeah, so all of the details for everything can be found on the website, and that is circleofthirds.wordpress.com.
That was Valdemir Sigurdsson, James Doughty, and Jacob Arnold performing as Circle of Thirds inside our Furman Garner Performance Studio, featuring the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway piano. They spoke with and performed for Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. The band will perform Saturday, May 7th at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. They'll share a bill with moldy locks and formals. Cover is $5. Music set to begin at 8 p.m. You can find out more at the Facebook page for Circle of Thirds or for Nomad's Trailside. Sunday is the first day of May. Historically referred to as May Day, the European holiday traces back to ancient rites and labor rights. In celebration, Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Frolick invited Pipe Major Devin M. Topf, founder of City of Fayetteville Pipes and Drums, to the Furman Garner Performance Studio to play a traditional Scottish tune. May Day is little acknowledged by Americans, but widely celebrated by Europeans as a national holiday. It originates with ancient British islanders who lit ritual fires at annual festivals of Beltane to celebrate the rite of spring and return of summer. The European tribal ceremonies encouraged fertility and abundance after long, cold, dark winters. By the late 1880s, during the Industrial Revolution, May Day was adopted by socialist groups and trade unions as International Workers' Day to celebrate the right to eight-hour workdays and eventually free weekends. In honor of May Day, we bring Pipe Major Devin M. Topf, who is half Scottish, half German, dressed in full Scottish regalia, performing Scotland the Brave. Celebrate this May Day after our long, dark winter with a picnic, a hike, perhaps a bike ride or a float. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. And may the spring winds always be at your back. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Patrick. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors for this Friday edition included Timothy, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics, Jacqueline Froelich, Daniel Carruth, who conducted his conversation with Jay Bailey Hutchinson in the Karen Taha News Studio, and Becca Martin-Brown, the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette's Features Editor. Thanks for riding along with us today. We will be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large, then back with you Monday at noon and 7 p.m. to start a brand new week of daily shows. Listen to us when you want on your schedule when you subscribe to the absolutely free Ozarks at Large podcast. Or you can flip over to OzarksAtLarge.com, find past stories, interviews, complete shows, along with links that will allow you to share all of that material with friends and loved ones through social media and email. Please have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. Be well. We'll talk again soon. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Here's to the weekend.